0: excited to get into God's Word together today thank you Arthur and team for leading us in worship this morning my heart is encouraged and reminded that we serve a God who is good in Psalm 100 when the writer says enter his gates with thanksgiving and come into his courts with praise that's a command and sometimes it's easy for us to go yeah but I don't feel like it today (laughs) you know I had a hard week things are tough i don't feel like entering his gates with thanksgiving and i don't feel like coming into his courts with praise but the very next verse says this for he is good and his steadfast love endures forever and it doesn't matter what kind of week you had a good week or a bad week here's what didn't change god is still good god is still good and as we declare that truth this morning i pray that you were encouraged we are in this series called Living Hope, and we kicked it off on Easter Sunday declaring that we have a living hope. So let's look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, which has been our key text for this series. Here's what it says. Why don't you read this out loud with me, okay? Here we go. 1, 2, 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He has given us new birth into a living hope. And on Easter Sunday, we declare that there is a real hope that is available to us. The hope that we have because of Jesus Christ is not just wishful thinking. It's not pie in the sky. It's not not false hope. It is a real hope. It's a real hope because it's a living hope. It's not a past hope. It's not only a future hope. It is a hope for right here, right now, today. We can put our hands on it. It is accessible. It is for us. It is a living hope. And if hope is going to be real, it has to be a living hope. It also must be entered into, First Peter 1 tells us, that we enter into this living hope. Hope is not something that we can sprinkle on our heads when we're having a bad day. Hope is not something that we manufacture from the inside out. Hope is not something that we will up. Hope is not something that we discover on a Tony Robbins DVD. Hope is something that we must enter into. We step outside of our own power and our own control and our own wisdom and our own devices and we step into hope. We cross the line of faith, stepping into hope. The last thing that that verse tells us is that the reason we can enter into a living hope is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Real hope is a living hope that must be entered into through faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, if God can raise the dead back to life, what else can he not do? And so we enter into this living hope through Jesus Christ so we discovered that there is a hope there is a real hope there is a living hope and we have access to it and last week we looked at this idea that the reason we need hope is because the world is broken the reason we need hope is because of sin scripture tells us that we are all born into sin we are born into rebellion we are born with our hearts turned against God and it started at the very beginning of time when God created a man and a woman and he told them everything is accessible to you except for this one tree all the trees in the garden they're good for you but this one don't eat it because if you do you will surely die and scripture tells us that the man and the woman did not trust God they looked at the tree and, and they saw that the tree was good for food It was pleasant to look at, and it was useful for acquiring knowledge. And look, those three things don't sound that bad, right? It's good for knowledge, it's good for food, it's pleasant to look at. And a lot of times we think of sin as just this poison apple. And the truth is, any of us that rely on our own wisdom, any of us that look to anything besides the beauty and goodness of God for satisfaction, living in sin it might not look vile and horrible but if we are trusting in anything if we are putting our hope in anything besides God and his beauty and his goodness we are living in sin and so the first man and woman entered into sin because they stopped trusting that God was good that he wanted what's best for them, that he knew what was best for them. And instead, they chose to follow their own wisdom and they entered into sin. Romans 5, verse 12 tells us, because of one man, sin entered into the world through one man and death through sin. And this way, death spread to all people because all sin, because the first man and woman turned their back on God's goodness for them and instead tried to pursue their own wisdom, their own means, sin entered into the world. But the hope, the living hope of the resurrection, comes in verse 17 that tells us if by the one man's trespass or sin death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? There is sin in the world. And because there's sin, we need hope. And the good news is that God gave us access to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so, when we can put our faith in the resurrection, we enter into hope. But this morning, I want to look at the reality that we still live in a broken and sinful world. We still live in a broken world where things are always falling apart. Because of sin, things are always falling apart. We should not expect things to go well. In fact, because of sin, we should expect things to go wrong. (laughs) That's the state of the world that we live in. And so we need hope hope in the time of trouble. The consequence of sin in our own lives comes in two different ways. There is a consequence of sin that comes through our own poor decisions. We choose to pursue things that we know are not right. We choose to deny God's goodness and to pursue other things. And the result of that many times is the consequence and the penalty and the weight of sin in our own lives not the eternal consequence of sin which is separation from God scripture says in hell but the consequence of sin that means we break relationships we break friendships we make bad financial decisions that wind us up in bankruptcy we we pursue things to fill our pleasure and we end up enslaved to those things through addiction and bondage those are the natural consequences of our own poor decisions and a lot of times we look at people who are in a bad situation and if we're not careful we think well I'll never end up there I'll never be like them there's another sin called pride (laughs) and that'll land us in a bad place too. scripture says pride comes before destruction so there are consequences to our own poor decisions our own personal sin but the fact is we live in a broken sinful world and sometimes we suffer for things that are not our own doing there is disease that we didn't bring on ourselves, but we suffer nevertheless I have a cousin who lives in Gainesville and uh, his little baby boy was born and needed a heart transplant without a heart transplant the little baby His name is Baker, he's going to die. And so for months and months and months, Baker has been hooked up to a machine that has kept him alive while the family waits for a heart. Wasn't Baker's fault, wasn't my cousin Tyler or, or his wife's fault. It's the consequence of living in a sinful and broken world. And last night, they got a call that a heart became available, and this he's in surgery right now, even as we speak. And we praise the Lord for that. <laughs> we praise the Lord for that. But on the other side of that is a family that lost a little baby. Wasn't their fault. Because that's the broken world that we live in. The world is broken. The world is full of sin. Sometimes we suffer for things that we have no control over and we wonder why, God, would you let this happen to me? We live in a broken and sinful world, betrayals, layoffs at work, disease, natural disasters. These things are outside of our control and outside of our doing and yet these things happen every day. There's almost 8 billion people in the world. That means there's almost 8 billion people that are suffering at any given time in the world. It's the reality of the broken, sinful world that we live in. And that is why we need hope. That is why we need hope. This morning I want to talk about not only the hope that we have through faith and the resurrection, but the hope that we have to face the difficulties of today. The hope that we have to face the difficulties of today and we're going to look at a text that is familiar to many of you, Romans 8:28, which says this, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. So let me pray and then we'll look at the scripture this morning. God, we love you, we thank you. We thank you that we have a living hope, that we have access to enter into that living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God, while that is true, it is also true that we live in a broken world and we face difficulty and trouble and heartbreak and sickness and disease every day. Lord, I pray this morning you would encourage us that even in difficulty or even through difficulty, you are working. There is hope. Life is hard, but God is good. Place our hope in you this morning. Speak to us through your word. Encourage those who need encouragement. Convict those who need to be convicted and draw men and women to salvation this morning we pray in Jesus name amen well there is hope for the time of trouble Romans 8 28 tells us that God is working all things together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose the broken world that we live in is working all things against us but God is working for us to make Good happen. If anything good happens in this life, it happens because of God. If anything good happens in this life, it happens because of God. Scripture talks about common grace that God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. Anything good that happens happens because God and His grace allows it in our lives without god operating then everything is absolutely falling apart at all times but he is working all things together for our good romans 8:28 tells us i also want to look at romans chapter 5 we're going to look at verses 2 through 5 this is a scripture that we've looked at really the last 2 weeks it's so full of important truths but i want us to see something this morning that we didn't look at the last couple weeks here's how it starts in verse two we have also obtained access through him that is entering into hope we have obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God verse 3 says this and not only that but we also boast in our afflictions what a crazy thing to say right? I mean, we want to boast in hope. We want to boast in the good things, but Paul says not only do we boast in the hope that we have through Jesus, but we also boast in our afflictions, in our difficulty, in our suffering. Why, Paul? Because we know that affliction produces endurance. Verse 4 says, Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. What kind of hope? This hope that will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Paul says, God is working all things together for our good and for His glory. Not only that, he goes further to say that we can rejoice in hope and we should, but we can also rejoice in affliction and suffering and trouble and trial and difficulty because in that God is working all things together for our good and his glory and Paul goes on to explain that affliction produces endurance and that endurance produces character and that character produces hope I love this idea that when we when we put our faith in the hope and glory of God it produces more hope and more glory did you see that it starts with hope He said, I boast in this hope, but I also boast in suffering. And when he gets to the end of suffering, it produces more hope. The more we place our hope in him, the more our hope grows because we find that he is faithful. And this morning, no matter what you're facing, Paul wants you to know that God is working all things together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose And we can boast in our troubles, in our afflictions, in our time of difficulty. We can glory in those things because we know that God is working in those things. This is a principle that we see over and over and over in Scripture. But there's really no better example than the life of Joseph in the Old Testament. The life of Joseph in the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter 37 through chapter 50, we see the life of this young man named Joseph. Joseph was a son of Jacob or Israel. Jacob had four wives. And by these four wives, he had 12 sons. And Joseph was one of the younger sons. But Jacob favored Joseph over all of his other sons. Even in Scripture, we see super dysfunctional families, right? I mean, this guy's got kids with four different women, and he prefers one of the kids over all the rest. And as a result, Joseph kind of goes through life with this swagger, knowing that he's daddy's favorite. In fact, his dad bought him this jacket to wear. It was a coat of many colors. And Joseph used to walk around the fields where his brothers were working, and he would say, hey, guys, look what dad gave me. They said, this guy's a punk. And one day Joseph came to the fields and he said, hey, 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 check out my coat, guys. Remember this? Did you, get, did you guys get one of these? No? Okay. I just just checking. Hey, I also want to tell you about this dream I had. So, guys, I had a dream and, and there, was, um, there were these bales of wheat. And there was one in the middle and all of the other bales of wheat were bowing down to that one in the middle. And guess who the one in the middle is, guys? It's me. And you're the ones that are going to bow down. What do you think about that? And Joseph provokes his brothers. Scripture tells us that they make a plan to murder him. Super dysfunctional. So they get him out in the desert where they're watching the sheep. And they tie him up and they rough him up. And the oldest brother says, hey, 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 I mean, he is our brother. Let's not kill him. Just throw him in a ditch. So they dig a hole and they throw him in a pit. And he says, why don't we, uh, we could just sell him to slave traders and that'll get rid of him. So they sell him to some slave traders that are coming from the desert, Bedouin nomadic people. And they take Joseph to the land of Egypt where they sell him as a slave. He's not daddy's favorite anymore. He sold to a man named Potiphar, and Potiphar was the captain of the Pharaoh's royal guard. Potiphar put him to work in his house, and Joseph was a good worker. Did everything Potiphar wanted. In fact, he was kind of one step ahead. Potiphar really liked him. But Potiphar's wife also really liked Joseph. And she would kind of try to put the moves on Joseph, and he would say, hey, 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 Your, your husband is my master. But one day he found himself alone with Potiphar's wife and and she tries to seduce him and he runs away but she grabs his coat and he runs out when her husband Potiphar gets home Potiphar's wife says look I've got Joseph's coat because he came in here and he tried to assault me and Potiphar is upset so he takes Joseph and throws him in prison now Joseph is in prison and he's suffering in prison but once again he is a good worker and the captain of the prison guards gives him a place of importance and Joseph serves faithfully and he makes a couple of friends and these friends have a dream and Joseph interprets their dream and he tells them that one of them is going to be elevated to a place of honor in Pharaoh's court once again, and he tells him, Hey, look, when you get there, make sure and tell the Pharaoh about me that I can interpret dreams, that I'm a good worker, you know, put in a good word for me. Well, the guy gets back into a place of honor, but he forgets Joseph, and Joseph is still left to rot in this jail. No fault of his own. One day, Pharaoh has a dream, and this guy that was Joseph's friend in prison goes, Oh, 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 I know a guy. He knows about dreams why don't you call him up here and he might be able to help you out and so Joseph gets his moment before the Pharaoh and he interprets Pharaoh's dream and tells Pharaoh what what God has told me is that your dream says that there's going to be seven years of plenty great harvest in the land of Egypt but after that there will be seven years of famine so I suggest that during those seven years of plenty that you store up lots of grain so that in the seven years of famine You have grain left over to supply for the people. Pharaoh says, that sounds like a good idea. And you're in charge. And now Joseph goes to being second in command in all of Egypt. And just as God revealed to Joseph, there were seven years of plenty. And then seven years of famine. And during this seven years of famine, Joseph's brothers who sold him into slavery years before got hungry because there was a famine in their land as well. And they thought, let's go to Egypt, because I heard there was somebody in Egypt that was storing up grain for a time just like this. Maybe we can buy some. And they get to Egypt, and they appear before their brother Joseph, but they don't know it's him. And they say, sir, could we get some grain? Our our father is left behind, and, and our family is suffering. And he says, sure, I'll give you some grain, take it back home, and joseph has this plan for how he's gonna get his family there and over the course of time they go back to their father they come back again they go back again and bring joseph's little brother one day joseph reveals to them that i am your brother joseph guess what they are freaking out (laughs) the kid they sold into slavery is now the second most powerful man in egypt what is gonna happen But here's what we see in Genesis chapter 50, verses 19 through 20. Joseph's brothers say, please have mercy on us. Here's what Joseph says. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Joseph recognized that God was working all along that doesn't mean that the pain and the trouble and the difficulty that Joseph suffered was not real it was very real he was betrayed by his own family that that's serious betrayal right they wanted to kill him and instead they decided to sell him into slavery that's that's serious betrayal And maybe there's some in here who have been betrayed or hurt by a family member and you know that pain is real then he was betrayed by Potiphar's wife falsely accused scripture tells us and through this false accusation he was put into a prison prisons in Egypt (laughs) at this time in history were not an easy place and Joseph suffered for years in this prison and then Joseph was forgotten by a friend who he helped out Look, Joseph's life was full of difficulty and pain and suffering and it was very real it was very real he carried the pain of those things I'm sure But he recognized something, that the very real pain that his brothers intended for him, the very real pain that his brothers intended for him, you meant this for evil. But God meant it for good. Joseph recognized that the trouble that he faced was great and deep, but that God was greater. That God's plan was greater and this morning as we talk about hope in the time of trouble we don't dismiss the trouble we don't say oh it's no big deal it's no big deal just look to God everything will be okay that's not that's not what we're saying this morning look to God there is hope he has a plan but the trouble that we face is real and it's difficult but God's plan is greater still God even uses the difficulty to bring about his plan. Now, that sounds stupid, (laughs) you might say. Why would God do that? I mean, if he would just do good things, then, you know, that, that would be wonderful. Here's what... Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25. I love this verse. It says, God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. God really does know what he's doing. God really does want what's best for us and know what's best for us and have the power to pull it off. And God really is working all things, all things, bad things and good things And mundane everyday things that we don't even think about he's working all of those things together for our good for his glory he knows what he's doing and his foolishness is wiser than human wisdom throughout Scripture we see this upside-down kind of kingdom of God right Jesus says "I, I didn't come to be served but to serve and to give my life Jesus said The first will be last, and the last will be first. Jesus used death to conquer death. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Luke chapter 6, Jesus says, um, Blessed are the poor, because theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who are hungry. Blessed are those who weep. Blessed are people when, blessed are you when you are hated by people. None of those things make sense from our perspective but in God's wisdom God is working all things together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose because of Jesus hope comes not in spite of but rather through suffering many times because of Jesus hope comes not in spite of but through suffering Suffering is a sure thing in this life because we live in a broken world There's no getting around it Because of the brokenness of our world there is suffering But God doesn't waste that suffering he uses that suffering to bring hope to do good to produce endurance Which produces patience which produces character? which produces hope in our lives there is purpose in our pain through Jesus Christ there's purpose in our pain through Jesus Christ because of the brokenness of our world pain is a real and present reality we get old we get sick we get slow we get hurt We suffer, but God even uses those sufferings to bring hope in our lives. If you're experiencing suffering, there is hope. If you're not experiencing suffering, when you do experience suffering, which is coming pretty soon, (laughs) you can experience hope. Here's our last scripture and we'll look at a couple things here and then we'll wrap up second Corinthians chapter 1 verses 5 through 10 for just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us so also through Christ our comfort overflows there is suffering in this life Christ suffered in this life and that suffering overflows to us it's just a reality because of the brokenness of our world. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort, Paul says, and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that as you share in the sufferings, so you will also share in the comfort. He's saying, there there will be suffering Jesus said look guys in this life you will have trouble in this world you will have trouble but fear not because I've overcome the world there will be suffering there will be trouble there will be difficulty there will be trials there will be sickness there will be betrayal but as we suffer in those things we know that we will also experience his comfort verse eight says we don't want you to be unaware brothers and sisters of our affliction that took place in Asia Paul is gonna tell them about his own experience of suffering he's writing to the church at Corinth and he's talking about suffering and he wants them to know that even in his life he experienced very real suffering he says I don't want you to be unaware of our affliction that took place in Asia We were completely overwhelmed beyond our strength so that we even despaired of life itself. Have you ever heard anybody say God won't give you more than you can handle? (laughs) That is not true. Paul says we suffered beyond anything that we could bear. It was more than we could handle. In fact We suffered so much that we even despaired of life itself. We said, God, just let us die. If you've ever felt that way, you're in good company. Paul felt that way as he was taking the gospel around the world. He said, I don't don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters. The reason he's telling them that is because A lot of times in our suffering, in our trouble, in our pain, we think nobody really understands what I'm going through. Nobody understands where I'm at. Those good Christians at church, they don't feel bad the way I feel bad right now. I'm I'm probably not a good enough Christian because I just am struggling. And Paul says, wait a minute, I want you all to know that there have been times in my life where I said, God, just take my life I can't handle this I can't handle this anymore I don't want you to be unaware brothers and sisters verse 9 indeed we felt that we had received the sentence of death but listen why so that we would not trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but I came to understand the reason. It was so that we would trust in God and not ourselves. He has delivered us from such a terrible death and will deliver us. We have put our hope in Him that He will deliver us again. There is difficulty in life, it's real. There will be moments in your life where you cannot bear up under the weight of it. But God in his mercy and in his wisdom knows that in those moments, we need him. God in his mercy and wisdom knows that we need him in every moment. But so many times we look to our own strength And when God allows suffering in our life that draws us closer to him, that is a good thing, I promise. It might feel lousy, but if it brings us closer to him, I promise you, it is a good thing. It might feel like death, but if it draws you closer to him, it is a good and gracious and merciful and kind thing because God in his wisdom knows something that we don't understand we look to all kinds of things to satisfy us and that is sin and God uses suffering in our lives to finally turn our eyes to him and the thing is he has to do it pretty often because we're pretty stubborn God I need you I need you I need you I need you thank you I got it now God, I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you. Thank you. Got to stay here for a moment. Pretty sure I can handle things now, God. I'll catch you later. If we're being honest, we've all experienced that in our lives. But God, who is good, knows that only he can satisfy. Is there trouble in your life? Is there difficulty is there suffering the question this morning is has it caused you to look to God has it caused you to look to God have you allowed that suffering to drive you to him sometimes we allow that suffering to drive us away from him and we grow angry with God I remember one Sunday, um, a woman came into church. She was sitting in the back before the service started, and I sat and I started talking to her for a little while. She started telling me about the difficulty of her life, and she'd lost her husband a couple of years before. And she said, To be honest, this is the first time I've been in church in a while because I've just been mad at God. And I said, Well, he's not mad at you. And I got to pray with her, and she was a part of our church for probably a couple of years until she moved away. But there's times when we allow our suffering to cause us to turn our backs on God. He's never turned his back on us. The truth is he's using that suffering to try to get us to look to him. So is there suffering? Is there trouble in your life? And has it caused you to look to God. Here's a here's another question: Has it caused you to stop trusting in yourself? Maybe you've looked to God and you said, "God, I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you." But you're still trying to figure it all out and work it all out and do it on your own. I'm not saying that we just lay down on the bed and pray and it, and it, you know, God calls us to action. He leads us and he guides us and he directs us. He calls us to live out our faith. But you know when you're trusting in yourself and not him. You know when you're trying to do it in your own strength and not him. Our suffering should cause us to look to him, it should cause us to stop trusting in ourselves. So, have you put your hope in him? Have you put your trust in him? Life is hard church life is difficult it is a reality but God is good we can trust him so this morning maybe you're facing a hopeless situation maybe you've been putting your hope in the wrong things And maybe this morning you are a person who needs to put your faith in Jesus Christ for the first time. The Bible says that there is a moment in our lives where we pass from death to life. That's the moment of salvation. Scripture also calls it being born again. It's this moment where we stop putting our faith in ourselves, in other things, and we finally turn to Jesus and put our faith in him for salvation we talked about entering into hope it's that moment where we enter into hope where we cross the line of faith and maybe there's someone in here this morning God is calling you I want to invite everybody to stand with me we're gonna pray and we're gonna sing a song of commitment this morning of response this morning bow your heads with me. Lord, thank you that your foolishness is wiser than the wisdom of men. That your weakness is greater than the strength of men. Lord, thank you that you are working all things together for the good of those who love you, who are called according to your purpose. Thank you that even in our suffering you are producing endurance and patience and character and hope. And Lord, we don't have to be convinced of the suffering of this life. We have all experienced it firsthand. We have been like Paul who says, we despaired even of life. We couldn't bear up under the weight of it anymore. And Lord, I thank you that when we turn and look to you for our hope and strength in those moments, you meet us. You strengthen us you use those difficult seasons those sufferings to even grow us and make us more like you Lord we find your mercy and your wisdom and your grace in those moments so Lord for those who are facing a difficult season and God I know there are many in this room sickness and disease broken relationships betrayal God those are real things and in the midst of that very real pain you are doing a very real work huh. Lord I pray for those this morning just need to fall at your feet. God, help them to fall at your feet. God, I pray for those who are putting their hope in lesser things this morning, that you would reveal to them the futility of those sources of hope. As you said to the children of Israel in the Old Testament, you're trying to get water out of broken wells when I am the water and the well of life. Lord, last I pray for anyone in here this morning who has never crossed the line of faith, put their faith in you as Savior. God, I pray in this moment, you would draw them to yourself. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, I I just want to ask you to respond. I believe that response, a, a physical response, just helps us fix our eyes and our heart on what God wants to do in our life. So let me ask this question first. Is there anybody who says, I am facing real suffering in my life right now. I am in a difficult season of suffering and and I just need to be reminded of God's working in my life right now. Anybody like that just says, I am facing very real suffering. yes, 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 yes. God, I pray for these. Even in this moment, fill them with the reality of your presence and power. Remind them that even in the suffering you are working. Their pain is not wasted. Is there anyone else here this morning who would say, I've never come to a place of faith where I've put my faith in Jesus as Savior. Today I feel like God is calling me to salvation to put my faith in Jesus. Is there anybody that would just slip your hand up and say, that's me this morning? Anybody like that at all? Today I need to put my faith in Jesus as Savior. Anybody at all? Anybody like that at all? Well, this morning we're going to sing a song of response. I, I want to invite you to come pray if you want to this morning. You can come right down here to the front and pray at the altar. Just give those difficulties, those burdens to God. If you want to pray with someone, I'll be available. Can Others can be available to pray with you this morning. But Let's just end our service this morning by declaring that all of our hope is in him. All of our hope is in him.